2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This is now, beloved, the second letter that I'm writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word and the present heavens, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promises, about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Okay, so we, we had already looked at verses 1 and 2 last time, a couple of weeks ago, the, the week before Easter. Um, and I got a lot of verses on the screen. We're not going to cover all of those verses, but it just kind of gives you an idea of, you know, I look at a lot of things and I only cover a few uh, uh, as we get into it. So let's pick it up from verse, verse uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, uh, summarize verse 1 and 2 in that this is now the second epistle that he's writing to the same people, and that's why it's Second Peter. So it's these people in, in Asia Minor, these, these five churches that he was writing to. And he, he, he stresses that these things have been written in the Scriptures, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So now in verse 3, he says, Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following their own lusts. Mockers will come with their mocking, following their own lust. Know this, first of all. So he starts with this. He says, I want you to really be aware that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking. And, and uh, um, I, am only, I, I am all too aware of this these days because of the Internet and what people say. And if you're going to take a stand, if you're going to take a stand in a position, mockers will come because people on the Internet can in large part hide behind their anonymity and and uh, uh, say what they want to be able, what what they want to say, <clears throat> and uh, um, it says mockers in the last days mockers will come with their mocking. So mocking mockers will come with their mocking. So he told us they would come. When you take a stand, people will start coming against you. The mockers will come with mocking. He guarantees us. He says, mockers will come. If you've not experienced mockers coming into your life, people making fun of you, fun of your faith, fun of the things you stand for, it will come. I don't have to worry about that. It will come. 
If you walk with Jesus, it will come. And I just want you to be aware of that, that it will come. Jesus said, if they came against me, they will do this to you also. If they came against me, the Master and Lord, imagine what they are going to do to you also. He said that these things will come. And you look at how much they mocked Jesus over and over again. You are not alone in this. So when it happens, when it happens, I want you to realize you are not alone in this. Over and over again it happened to Jesus. Both the common people and the leadership, the leaders, the religious leaders, uh, 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 they spoke against him over and over again. Okay, so now look in verse 4. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? So they're going to be saying over and over, where is this promise? He promised to the, that he would come. Uh, where is the promise of his coming? Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. It says, you have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, how have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Where is the God of justice? So they were saying to Malachi, where is the God of justice? In other verses there that are listed, it says, where is your God? Where is the word of the Lord? So this constant doubting uh, uh, that, that comes. This is a common thing of mockers. So when's all this going to come? You guys have been talking about this. When is all this going to happen? And so what we see is these people were mocking the second coming of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus, since even to this day, people will mock the second coming of Jesus and say, where, where is God? He says, for ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from be the beginning of creation. This uniformitarianism. The world just never changes. So these people were coming and mocking and saying the world just doesn't change. There's no upheavals in the world. This whole second coming of him coming and, and uh, upheavals occurring in the world. Well, we know scientifically some things that they didn't know. We know that this earth has experienced great upheavals scientifically. There was a time of the, the great heavy bombardment where everything on the earth fried uh, as it was just pelted with these meteorites that, that, that hit the earth. And because of that, everything burned up. There could have been no life that could have survived that. And it was right after the cooling of the earth that, that uh, uh, life seems to have birthed forth. Shortly after the cooling of the earth, life burst forth on this planet. So we have a lot more understanding that there have been real upheavals on this planet. There have been ice ages. Uh, there have been times when... So these people didn't realize that the earth is not quite as stable as what they think. And so they say everything, everything's the same. Nothing's really happening. And so they start to question these sorts of things. And so then... Peter goes on to make a defense for this. He says these people are coming and they, they say that everything continues just as it was. Now what's interesting is Peter is lodging now a defense to these mockers. Now you may say, Peter, why are you troubling yourself? Why aren't, Peter, you being a good Christian? Just be a good Christian, just suck it up, and just, you know, just apologize for being alive. And uh, just, just, just tell them how sorry you are that you got in their way. And uh, just move on. That's the good Christian thing to do, right? Because Christians shouldn't argue, right? We wouldn't want to offend anybody. That's the, that's the worst thing you could do ever is offend somebody, right? And, and, uh, but no, Peter, 
Peter is now lodging a defense to this. He's lodging a defense. He's not just sitting there and letting these mockers come and say whatever they want to say. He's lodging a defense. Now, if you don't want to lodge a defense, fine. Don't lodge a defense for things. If you want to be biblical, lodge a defense. If you want to follow the pattern of Scripture, you you lodge your defense. Jesus certainly did. Over and over again, Jesus was lodging defenses for the truth of the gospel and what was going on. And did he offend people? Not only did he offend people in Luke chapter 11, it says he insulted people. It says the lawyers came to him and said, when you say this to the Pharisees, you insult us. You insult us. And Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm sorry about that. You know, that's the worst thing I could do. No, he says, that, that hurt you? He says, let me tell you something about you lawyers. You're responsible for all the deaths of the prophets, all of them. From Abel to Zechariah, the first prophet to die to the last prophet to die in the scriptures. You're responsible for the death of all of them. That's what he said. So he lodged, he's lodging a defense. He says in verse 5, For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. He says, when they maintain this, it escapes their notice. Some versions say they are willfully ignorant of this fact. They are willfully ignorant of this fact, meaning that they have chosen to be ignorant of this. They have made a choice not to investigate. They have made a choice not to learn. They are willfully ignorant. The New American Standard translates it, when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that... By the word of God, the heavens existed long ago. This is an interesting way of putting it. When they maintain this, it escapes their notice. When we willingly, willfully argue against the truth, subsequent things escape our notice. Do you hear what I'm saying? When light is given to us, and we intentionally disregard the light, we become blinded. When light is given to us, and we intentionally disregard the light, we become blinded. So if you look, for example, in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to start reading from verse 11. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. Jesus answered and said to them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Jesus said that he was speaking in parables for a reason. 
he did not always speak in parables. That came later on in his ministry. Earlier on, early in his ministry, Jesus was not speaking in parables, and then all of a sudden there was a change. And his disciples were like, how come you're speaking in parables now? It was right after the, the, um, the sin, uh, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit by accusing Jesus that he was filled with demons and that he would only was casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul. Uh, uh, and that so that when they came against Jesus, when they saw him in the flesh, they saw him in the flesh and they denied his messiahship, then what came upon them was the proclamation of the, the, uh, um, the sin against the Holy Spirit, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and at that day, that very same day, he started speaking in parables. It only happened at that point. Early on, read the Sermon on the Mount. It's not parables. It's very clear. You're not speaking in parables. That came later on in his ministry after there was the formal denial by the Jewish leaders against the Messiahship of Jesus. The, the sin against the Holy Spirit, you cannot commit. I've had people come to me and I, 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 think, I think that I sinned against, I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. You cannot commit that sin. You have to have seen Jesus with your eyes and then denied his messiahship on the grounds of his being demon-possessed. That's what happened when they blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. And it was then and then only that Jesus said to them, now you're not going to hear anymore. And so what he says to them here, he says, to you it has been granted the mysteries. Because his, his disciples said, why are you speaking like this? He says, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. That shut them off. When they denied Jesus that way, that broad way, they denied his messiahship on the grounds of his being demon-possessed, that day they could not understand anymore. These were unintelligible parables. They were quite intelligible to his disciples and he Later on, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it became all the more clear. He says, for whoever has, to him shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away. When we deny the light, less light is given. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in The Great Divorce. He talks about how there's these people very close to the gate of heaven very close to the gate of heaven. But every time they deny the truth, they move further and further away from heaven's gate, more and more toward the abyss, toward this, this hellish. This is the way he, he writes about it in this allegorical way in his book. That the more we deny the truth, the further away we get. And this is why it's so important that when light is given, when something is taught to us, when we receive Scripture, when we receive instruction from the Word of God, that we don't just say, well, that's not for me. Not now. Maybe some other time. What happens is, even the little bit that you were given is going to be taken away. The more we deny the light that's been given to us, the more we move away. And that's the danger. That's the danger. When the Gospel has been preached to you, and you do not embrace it, that's the danger, that you now are moving further away from the truth. You're now moving further away from the things of the gospel. 
It's not like, well, the next time you hear it, you'll go right from that point and move closer. No, the next time you hear it, you'll be further away than you were that first time. And so that's why he says, he says, for when they maintain this in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice. When you maintain something mockingly, when you come against Jesus, it will escape your notice. You will not see it as, as, as clearly. And this is why it's important for us to respond to the Word of God. And as we respond, more light is given. And as you respond, more light is given. And that's why he said, if you, he says, but to them, it says, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him shall be given. If you have, more is going to be given to you. But if you do not have, if you resist this, even the little bit that you have will be taken away. And this was prophesied. This was prophesied by Isaiah. He says that they're going to, he says, you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. Uh, with their ears, with their ears, they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes. When we close our eyes to the truth, we move further away. A very important concept that happens throughout the Word of God. So important to take hold of this, that you respond to the Word of God. When, you, when, you, when the Word of God says something, please respond to it. And then more light is given. And then, and then you grow. So he says in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 3, For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the Word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By the Word of God, this thing was formed. By the Word of God. And so, so he's speaking now, right, taking them right back to the book of Genesis. Right back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, he talks about how the world was formed out of water and by water. In Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So when reading the book of Genesis, it's important to understand the frame of reference for the writer. The frame of reference for the writer. The frame of reference is just above the surface of the earth. The frame of reference is just above the surface of the earth. And when you understand that, then it becomes a lot more clear what this writer is talking about. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there's this creation of the heavens and the earth in the beginning. Verse 2, the earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Many theologians, not all, look, not all theologians agree on anything. But many theologians think that between verse 1 and 2, this is the period in which there was a fall of Satan, where Satan fell. And Jesus actually does make reference to the fall of Satan. He makes re reference to this sort of thing, this, this, this uh, fall that happened. Uh, uh, he, he actually uh, makes, makes reference to this in, um, in Luke chapter... Um, Okay, Luke chapter 10, verse 18, he says, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He makes, Jesus makes reference to this fall. 
uh, uh, where, where Satan fell like lightning. And then you see it again in the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14 makes ref- in, it, Isaiah 14 verse 12 made reference to this. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. And so, so Isaiah makes reference to this sort of thing. So that's why many theologians think that between verse 1 and 2, there was this fall of Satan. So there, there was this earth, and then there was this fall, and everything was destroyed. The, the, the waters covered the surface of the earth again, and now God begins to rebuild the earth. Whether, whether that's the case or not, the earth, the earth was formed out of water because it says that, that, that uh, uh, the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So, so he said, let there be light, and then all the, uh, many people get confused because it's not until, until uh, um, uh, day four that there's these lights in the heavens and... Uh, uh, that, that, that these things start taking place. So, so they say the sun came later. How could there have been light? But remember, he is just above the surface of the earth. I have been visiting countries. I have been visiting countries where it was light out. It was daytime, but I could never see the sun. You say, well, how, how could that be? Because there was so much smog in the air. Yeah, I've been to countries where there's so much smog, you can see it's light out, you look up at the sky, it's light, but you cannot see the sun. It's just a haze. It's just a haze. You can't see the sun. You go to the next day, it's just a haze. You can't see the sun. You go to the next day, just a haze. You can't see the sun. And then God cleared away, cleared that away, and then all of a sudden the sun begins to shine. You say he just created the sun. No, the sun always was there. There was light there. It's just that now he's cleared that away because the frame of reference he's writing just above, the writer is just above the surface of the earth. That's the frame of reference. So in any case, he's talking about the earth being formed out of water. So what he's saying is they don't understand that the earth has experienced great upheavals before. And he's making reference to this time in Genesis. Peter is making reference to this time in Genesis. And then he's making reference to probably that which was the Noahic flood. That there was a time that there was a flood on earth. He says they're, they're denying that too. Now we know scientifically there have been great upheavals on the earth. It's not this uniformitarianism of everything is stable, nothing's ever going to change. And we know scientifically that eventually our sun is going to burn out and things are going to change. This earth is not forever. That's what he's telling them. And then he says that the, by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, and through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. So he makes reference to this flood. He makes reference to these things that are going on. Um, uh, so so that, that's what he's talking about. He makes reference to the time that it was flooded. He says it's not this stable thing that you think is never going to change. You go denying the return of the Lord and the upheaval that's going to occur, you're going to be quite surprised. And then he says in verse, in verse 7, but by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. He says, and by his word, by his word, God has said it, it has to happen. 
by his word, the present heavens and earth. Meaning that there was a former one. God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1. And then there was this rebuilt one. That's the one we're in. And then this one is going to be destroyed. And then we're going to start into that one thousand year millennial reign where Jesus will reign that it talks about here on earth. And, and, uh, um, and so there will be that millennial reign. And we're informed about this in the book of Revelation. Multiple times he talks about the destruction that's going to occur by fire. But also in the Old Testament, over and over again, it was just talked about the destruction that was going to occur by fire. I've only listed a few of them. I haven't listed them all, but if, for example, if you look in Isaiah, Isaiah 66, verse 15, For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. Over and over again, in the scriptures, it preaches that the, word of, the world is going to be destroyed by fire. The next time the world is destroyed, it's not going to be by a flood, it is going to be destroyed by fire. Two-thirds to three-fourths of the surface of the land is going to be destroyed by fire. And you go, come on, how can that be? Well, in our generation, it's much easier to understand how that can happen. All right? It's called a nuclear war. Now, I don't know that that's going to be the way that it happens, but it's certainly understandable how it can occur. So when a nuclear blast goes off, Everything fries in like about 10 milliseconds. Everything fries. And this is why when he talks about it, we'll read about it in here, he talks about the elements themselves will be destroyed. The elements themselves. When you have elemental, say, metal, I mean the thing is just going to melt. Everything. When there's a nuclear blast, it is so hot, metals themselves just melt. It is blazing hot. I don't know that the scriptures are saying that there's going to be a nuclear holocaust in the end. Uh, uh, but it does say that the world will be destroyed by fire. They don't realize it. He says, but this is what's going to happen. And so in our generation, it's a lot more plausible to us in our generation than it was to them in their generation. Because we know scientifically, with the nuclear bombs that are, that are proliferated all over the earth, you could fry this, the surface of this earth many times over, many times over, very, very quickly. And so he says, by his word, the present heavens and earth, where we live today, are being reserved for fire. It's being reserved for fire. God says, don't worry, nothing's going to happen. It's being reserved for fire that will happen one day. It's being reserved for fire. And the Old Testament speaks over and over again of this fire that is going to occur. How that earth, the earth is going to, to uh, um, be destroyed by fire. How that dis destruction will then come by fire. Uh, that's, that's what he tells us. And so in, Ma in Malachi chapter 4 verse 1 it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace. And all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaffed. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze. You can't say that Jesus didn't warn us. You can't say that the scriptures didn't warn us. Malachi tells us in chapter 4, verse 1, about, about how he's going to purge the earth. He purged the earth one time by flood where he killed almost everyone but eight people. He says, next time I'm going to purge the earth of its evildoers by fire. 
And he says, says, uh, uh, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. And you will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. That's Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. This is God's promise. He says they fail to notice this. They failed to notice that God said once before he would do it, and he did it, and he's going to do it again, this time not by a flood, but by fire. By fire. This is how it's going to, to happen. And Peter reiterates that here. They failed to notice because they've denied everything about it, so they failed to notice that it's going to be destroyed by fire. And there are many verses in the Old Testament that talk about the destruction that's going to occur by fire. And this is why I warn you, if you do not know the Lord, if you do not know the Lord, I urge you to know Him. I urge you to know Him. There is a judgment that is awaiting us. Jesus is going to come again. These people were denying the second coming. Jesus Himself spoke of this. He said, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and perverse generation, I will be ashamed of Him when I come in the glory of my Father, and his holy angels. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said he was coming again. You think you know better than Jesus? He said he's coming again. This is what's going to happen. There are going to be these tribulations, which we'll look at next time, that are lined up in the book of Revelation, where one after another, several of those trumpets are going to blow, and boom, boom, the trumpet is going to blow. There's going to be another destruction by fire. Another trumpet will blow. There'll be another destruction by fire. And you say, how are these supernatural things going to occur? In our generation, it's much easier for us to understand this. Because all you got to do is blow the trumpet, boom, a bomb goes off. And it's a huge, huge landmass that is destroyed by fire when these missiles start going off. It's going to be different than the flood. It's going to be by fire. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you to know the Lord. And the protection that is available to believers is clear. It is clear in the scriptures. He says, you'll be, you'll be running around like a gazelle. and It'll just be ashes underneath your feet. You'll be okay. If you know the Lord, you will be okay. If you do not know the Lord, there's destruction by fire. I urge you to know the Lord. If you do not know the Lord, please come to me. We will sit together. We will reason together. And within an hour, you will know the Lord. This is the warning that's coming to us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the word of God, for it is true. Just like everything that was prophesied has come true. Lord, this will come true as well. Father, for those who do not know you, I pray, Lord, that you would save souls today. Today, save souls, O oh Lord. Open it up by the grace of God. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your kindness. Blessed be the Lord. Father, take these young people and teach them your ways. And Father, let us take heed according to the scriptures. May Jesus be glorified. And I commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.